Welcome to Globally Speaking, a production by RWS. Globally Speaking is designed to educate, inform, and challenge everyone who is engaged in global communications. Our experts talk to various industry thought leaders to dig into the most critical issues impacting language and localization today. Learn more by visiting our website at www.globallyspeakingradio.com. Now, here is the host for this episode. Hey, Stefan. So thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. How's your day been? Hey, Monica. How's it going? Happy to be here. It's going really good. I'm excited to talk to you about localization. Um, A little bit about me. I'm actually newer to the localization industry. I started last year in February, so right at the precipice of the pandemic. And before that, I worked in multicultural marketing. So I actually had never even heard of localization before. And what's interesting is I used to go to conferences regularly about multicultural marketing for the U.S. markets. No one ever mentioned localization, ever. There was never like a big show about it, no breakout rooms, nothing. So when I came to work at SDL, formerly SDL, now RWS, I was so surprised on like, what is localization? Like, how does this even work? So I'm really excited to talk to you today and kind of explore that more. It's very interesting. So my background is actually, since the outset, connected to languages. I was born in Antwerp, Belgium, grew up speaking Dutch at home. Uh, And then during my teenage years, I moved to the French part of Switzerland. And in Switzerland, although I lived in the French part of Switzerland, I went to school in the German part of Switzerland, in English at an American school. So those are the four languages that I speak. And well, it was no coincidence that I ended up in the translation industry, uh, so to speak. So that's my connection and, and how it got started for me. So I've been in the localization industry for over 20 years. Um, and, and your story about uh, getting blank stares or not really connecting what localization is, is oddly familiar to uh, my experience, too, because although I speak a lot of languages, I'm eerily familiar with the, with the reaction that you describe, uh, so to speak, where people don't really understand what localization is. Yeah, it's really interesting because it seems like, for example, RWS, where I work, is a really large company. And there's tons of people that work in localization, but it seems really niche, like it's very insulated. So I love to learn more about the history of localization, like your thoughts on since you've been in the industry for so long and the changes too. Yeah. So the term localization actually is a term that was coined in the mid 1990s to describe the process of taking a product and making it linguistically and culturally appropriate to a target locale. But that's a mouthful. That's something that probably makes a lot of sense to somebody who's in the industry. But I know that when I explain to, or when I get asked, what do you do for a living? And I tell people I work in the localization industry, I, I get the blank stares and the term is not very well understood. And it, it carries some contradictions uh, with it, so to speak. So for insiders, it's something that's easy. For outsiders, doesn't make a lot of sense. Probably the easiest bridge that I can make when I talk to people that are not familiar with the term is to bring up the term translation, because that's kind of where it starts. 
uh, it's connected to translation. So if you had to use like one sentence to describe localization, you think you have one off the top of your head? It's the process to make it so we can sell a product internationally. And it is connected to translating the content, making it so that you can pitch the product abroad, that you can sell it in, 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 in different locales in the appropriate way. So you briefly touched on translation. So when I was working in the multicultural marketing space, I oversaw the Spanish market in the U.S. So I oversaw content creation for the Spanish markets, and I'd never heard of localization before. So I'm curious the relationship you see between translation, localization, but also localization and globalization. Yeah. So there's a, a couple of things here. Uh, there's an interesting paradox with international marketing and uh, globalization and localization that I have recently come to realize it is a disconnect between insider people like us and people that work in, in international marketing and international business. Uh, the, the word globalization in itself is a term that for most business people is used to describe how trade and technology have made the world a uh, much more connected and interdependent place. Uh, it, it speaks to the unification of the world as an economic and cultural space. And it's a word that's used to describe the, the growing interdependence of the world's economy. So people that work in international marketing typically don't associate globalization with what we think is the natural thing to get to globalization, which is to localize uh, our products, to make it so that you can sell an item in Brazil or in Japan or in France in the appropriate way by addressing a, a specific locale and a specific set of people in the way that they should be, uh, should be addressed. So it's very interesting because that seemed to be paradoxical to, to people that are not from the industry and it warrants some further explanation. Uh, when we have conversations with them. Usually when I explain to them what's involved in localization and it's the translation plus side, so to speak, where you're not just transferring words from one language into another language, but you're also adapting messages because maybe in France, uh, we don't get the baseball analogy uh, because uh, baseball is not that popular. So we should be talking about soccer instead of baseball. Those types of adjustments make it so that you can sell better abroad. And that's really the game of localization uh, beyond just doing the translation. So then if you're a translator, someone working in translations and You've never heard of localization before. Why would you think that is? Like, do you think it's an industry like issue? Or do you think it's more like there's opportunity to learn more? Like, just curious. Yeah. The term localization itself is a term that's really not known by anybody outside of our industry. I'm always surprised that it, we have not done a very good job at either uh, propagating that term or making it a household item, uh, uh, so to speak. I don't think that there's a lot of people that follow when you just drop it as such. 
That's why, you know, when I came across this uh, language operations article uh, lately, that I thought maybe we need to rethink the uh, the term altogether and we need to come up with something that makes more sense for the people that are in marketing or product development and something that makes it easier for them to see the usefulness and the connection, what it is that they do on a daily basis. So language operation, is that like a different term to localization? Yeah, so I I read this uh, this article by Joao uh, Garcia uh, in Forbes magazine not too long ago, in which he explained how uh, what we should do is get away from the the term localization and maybe switch it to lang ops, and it was all about how we can officially operationalize cross functional multidisciplinary teams, so to speak, and really make the the languages a central aspect rather than the siloed approach that we've had traditionally. And I think that's one of the difficulties that uh, localization people deal with in the trenches, so to speak, is that they don't really belong to a particular group. They're kind of bouncing around between product development, marketing, uh, other sections of uh, of companies. So this approach was actually turning that on its head and making it so that we would get away from the siloed approach that is uh, the traditional one. You've been in the industry for years now. So has it always been the silo? Yeah, I I think so. It's actually in the beginning, in, in the early days, I don't think localization was even... Uh, an internal uh, functionality to many companies at all. It would be something that outside vendors would take care of. And it would come up when people needed things uh, to be translated. So I don't think it's a, a, an, uh, or I should say it's, it's a more recent development, maybe the last 10, 15 years where we've seen the larger corporations actually bringing in the localization people within the organization as such. But still we're dealing with very siloed activities, uh, by and large. And, uh, the organizations in which localization plays a central role uh, that gets a say around the table from the get-go, uh, those organizations are far uh, and in between. It's really interesting because in localization, to me, the stakeholders, now that I'm in the industry, seem to be like marketing managers, production, the procurement, the IT there's a lot of different stakeholders, but they work in a lot of different parts of the organization. Like everyone's, there are people who touch in localization, but they don't all work together on the same team. Yeah. So do you think, like what else in the org do they talk about language operations as like an opportunity for localization? Yeah. So I think that's, that is the opportunity right there is to, in, instead of uh, bouncing the localization ball uh, around in between the different departments, uh, this article actually was making the argument for uh, giving localization people a seat around the table from from the get go, and essentially make it a continuous uh, development in which localization is thought of from the beginning. 
and uh, the, the the language operations are not a product of uh, or a result of English being transferred and a bunch of other uh, languages and, and being used to breach other cultures, but actually to think about the language as an integral part of the operation from the get-go so that when you're writing the copy, you're writing it with internationalization in mind, if that makes any sense. So you're, you're writing whatever language you're writing your base copy and you're keeping in mind that is that, that copy is going to be used across the globe in many cultures and that you're, you know, you're shying away from certain things up front because you know they're going to be uh, more productive down the line, if that makes any sense. It really does. Because when you talk about like the, it sounds like, like almost like a top down, like it's like it needs to come from the C-suites down to like the other like uh, folks, stakeholders on the teams that do localization versus just separate siloed in a perfect world. If we thought as language uh, being an, uh, an important part of the operation from the get-go, then it wouldn't be just as a function of marketing or as a functioning of product or any of these things. It would be really at the core of the organization and the language we would develop would get developed in a much more effective way. I think that's kind of the base message of the, of the idea. And I thought it was a really interesting concept. I don't know that language, you know, uh, I, I do a lot of posting on social media, LinkedIn in, in particular, and I made a, uh, a clip around this particular topic and put this up for debate uh, on LinkedIn. And there was a lot of strong reactions from people pro and con, important people in the industry that strongly disagreed or strongly agreed, or at least felt that there should be a change. I think that there's there's a lot of uh, a, a lot of underlying thought percolating about this because we've all gotten the blank stares, frankly, when we try to explain what we do, and I think it's symptomatic of the position of our industry um, within organizations uh, that we, you know, if if we have difficulty explaining what we do at the outset then it's not that difficult to imagine that we don't really have a lot of pull power within the organizations because a lot of times we're an afterthought. And, and so this term, the, the reassessing of the term for me has a lot to do with that. How can we raise visibility within organizations and and we can make things more effective? Well, yeah, I think you're hitting the nail on the head. It's like, at the end of the day, it costs money too to localize things. So we're part of the business that spends money. And I don't think every business probably needs a language operations department because not every business has the goal of expanding internationally. But if you do, it does make sense to, especially since you're spending money, that you have like a someone on the higher level trickling it down to make sure it's like seamlessly going to market in the localization space. It's really interesting. So, um, so you mentioned that you post on social media and that people were going back and forth. I think what were the most interesting takes and which one did you agree with and which one did you disagree with? So I, I think there's a lot of hesitation to 
switch from localization to something else. Because although people outside of our industry are not really familiar with the term, people within the industry have grown accustomed to it. So I think that there's an initial reaction from a number of people that just want to stay with things the way they are, don't really see the need to bring uh, a change to the terminology. Um, I think there was a lot of hesitation on whether LangOps um, encapsulated what we do in a proper way or in a better way. If we're going to replace the term localization, is that a term that is going to better describe? For me at the outset, it's it's much about what makes it easier to communicate to communicate what we do to an outsider because explaining it to an insider is really not where the biggest problem is uh, i i would love to find a term that makes it easier to explain to somebody who has no idea about what we're doing uh, what it is that we are are busy with so from that perspective i'm not sure langops is is the right term um, somebody might come up with a better term. It's, it's one idea that got me thinking. The thing that I like about it, and I think certain people, uh, responded to as well, is that it combined the two more known words, language and operations. So that's, it's, it would seem a little bit easier for people to understand from that perspective, I think. I think that. Well, language is always changing, right? Like we know that <laughs> from like a localization translation standpoint, it kind of makes sense to me, language operations, because we all are dealing with language. I think the only challenge with language operations is the cultural aspect because localization does include culture as well. Yeah. And does language encapsulate that Yeah, cultural nuance, you know? Yeah. Maybe it, maybe it doesn't then. And so that's probably what's a little contradictory there in the sense that you, you're not bringing culture into the picture at all. Um, but localization as a term is kind of the opposite. I think it doesn't speak about language at all, and it doesn't speak about anything operational. So um, maybe we need to find a, a third term that includes the, the localization or the cultural aspect better um, maybe that's a, a good exercise for people to think about. I would love to, or I'm open for suggestions. Um, that's part of the reason why I wanted to come and talk to you about it. I know when I first heard of localization, it sounded like, um, typically in the U S when there's like multicultural departments, like marketing strategy departments, you have like a local, like a, like a local department. So someone who works in local markets. So like it maybe could yeah, the term localization to an outsider has nothing to do with language. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah. And like you create, I can see it as like you create local content. Maybe the word needs to be like a uh, language localization or translation localization. I think it's a really interesting idea. So you're kind of more on the, mm, I'm not sure if this is the right one. I'm, I don't want to cause a big ripple. I'm not sure that I'm on, on one side or the other. I, I'm definitely you know, the reason this was of interest to me, and I think the reason it resonated so much uh, with people online when I put this up for debate is because people deal with this issue regularly where they're trying to explain to somebody what it is that they do, and it, it doesn't really land that easily. 
so to speak, and and localization is problematic in that sense. So even if we don't change the name of what localization is, what do you think are some opportunities like to improve localization internally? For example, like getting buy-in from C-suites or how do you recommend like working cross-functionally across teams? Yeah, I think the the main problem I see is that we're still siloed into specific um, departments and we're working as a function of those departments. We're not really, <clears throat> we're not really at the, uh, at the bird's eye level, so to speak. We're, we're underneath um, certain functions like marketing or product development. And a lot of times uh, the communications are inefficient that way because what we're doing in marketing is really not observed uh, in product development. Um, and, and so there's a, a lot of, a lot of opportunity for things to, to be missed and to, for wires to get crossed, so to speak, because we are not communicating outside of the silos. And so, um, there's the real opportunity, uh, with the change in this term comes along a, a change in mentality, I think, that is one that we should be aiming for uh, to get away from getting stuck uh, into siloed uh, activities. So in a, biz- like in, in a business, when you're selling localization, let's say a business hasn't started localizing yet and they're interested in it, but they don't know how, like who does that normally come from in the organization? Does it come from the top, the bottom, because they see the need? What do you think? I think it it really depends on on the organization. Um, there's typically uh, two scenarios: either an audience within the United States that doesn't speak English needs to be addressed, and the need for localization arrives from that perspective, or the organization is at a point in its growth cycle where they're considering moving abroad, and they're and they're going to be selling their product outside of, for us uh, here in the United States, outside of the United States, if you were in Europe or in Asia, it would be outside of those regions. But coming from an American perspective, that would be the the, the two scenarios, uh, selling to a foreign language speaking audience within the United States or selling abroad uh, to an audience that doesn't speak English for that uh, for that reason. So I want to go back to, because you've mentioned like just kind of the global, like kind of selling globally, go back to like globalization and localization and really the relationship between the two. Because I do think that there, you do begin to localize because you want to reach a more global market. So I would like for you to expand a bit on that, like the relationship differences. Yeah. I I think that for businesses in the United States, they sometimes forget that it's only roughly 5% of the world's population that communicate in English. And so there's a huge opportunity to sell uh, and to sell your product in different languages, just going off of that premise, so to speak. So when you're talking about globalization, that's a realization uh, that business owners really should 
take into effect. Uh, it's it's largely misunderstood how language is really a growth driver and not a growth a growth blocker, so to speak. We we facilitate uh, business to people, you know, people around the world <laughs> essentially tell us that they won't buy unless they can buy in their own language. So there's real opportunity uh, for us to facilitate that. And what do you think the psychology is of that? Do you, on like, be, or the reason why people really like in language content, like to be spoken to in their own language? Yeah, I think that that's maybe something for a psychologist to to comment about. But I I think speaking uh, uh, for myself, I I think that if people connect uh, with you, it's a lot easier to buy from them. And so in, in with language, language is such a personal uh, thing. It, it's very odd. I, I did a, a piece not too long ago about how the personality that I carry in different languages, I, sp I speak four languages, my personality changes a little bit. And I'm probably more assertive in English than I am in Dutch, um, my native tongue. Of course, I moved away as a teenager from uh, Belgium, so I haven't really spoken um, Dutch the way I did as a, as a teenager in a long, long time. And so my personality is a little bit different. I think <laughs> selling in different languages kind of speaks to that particular phenomenon is that when you're selling in English, you're probably not having completely the, uh, the the same approach as you would have if you're doing it in Dutch or in French or in Japanese, for that matter. And we've come a long way from a scientific point of view uh, with analysis uh, as the, uh, I'm not sure you're familiar with the Hofstede um, uh, cultural dimensions, uh, but Professor Professor Hofstede is a, a a Dutch scientist who did a lot of research into the differences in personalities of uh, of people depending on the regions of the world they live in, and so he qualified that in a number of different uh, psychological traits. Uh, that make you more prone to be one way or another, so to speak. And, and so by evaluating, uh, the differences in psychological makeup, uh, you will be better to, to approach people a, a certain way. It might be a lot more direct in the United States than it might be in, uh, in Japan, for example. Um, things like criticism, uh, are, are a lot easier and direct in the United States than they might be in Asian cultures. Things of the, of that nature, uh, are important when it comes to, uh, marketing your product internationally. I think that goes back to the full circle of language operations versus localization. It's that cultural nuance. You can change something like into the, the language, but does that mean it's going to resonate with that customer? Exactly. So there's a lot of layers to pay to pay attention to and to take into account. Yeah, language, um, like you're talking about, it, it really does connect us. It's, to me, it's like food. It's like when you eat food that is like home. Like I know I speak Spanish, 
So whenever I hear someone speaking Spanish, it feels, I feel an instant connection to them. I can only imagine like how customers feel too, when they're spoken to like in their language. You know, it's a a funny experiment, but one of my posts on LinkedIn too was a, a cultural post that essentially said in a picture, show us the food that you, you know, that you uh, would eat, uh, that means home. And for me, um, it was a picture of a, a little bucket of French fries with mayonnaise, you know, in Belgium. We, the Belgians uh, invented French fries, unlike uh, 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 the misinformation that is uh, uh, rife here in the United States. They're really Belgian fries. You know, they they became French fries because the American GIs, uh, that got introduced to them were probably in the Ardennes, uh, in, uh, in the region that borders France and they speak French there too. So I can easily see how that would, would have made the transfer, uh, to French fries. And that's a, it, it's probably one of my most popular posts on LinkedIn, uh, ever. Uh, I learned foods from all over the world uh, when I put that post out. Uh, people reacted really positively to that. If the listener is right now in localization and they want to get buy-in from the executives to spend more, I guess what would you say to them? I would say to keep in mind that that really only roughly 5% of the world population speak English. And that is a lot of low hanging fruit left out on the, on the table. If we're, if we're just going to, uh, market ourselves in, in English, uh, should be an easy, an, an easy decision to, uh, go after the rest of the world population uh, as well. Yeah. Just show an executive to me. It's like, show them the size of the prize, like the 5% you're talking about. It's like 95% does not speak English. And if they have a product or a service that other customers want why not localize i just want to say thank you so much for taking the time i feel like i know so much more about localization the differences i like um talking about what is language operations and if we agree or disagree with it or not or are neutral to it and i would i would love to hear from anybody uh who's either within or outside the industry if they have ideas uh on how we could help uh, advocate for what we do and, and make our, our message more effective. I'd love to hear, uh, about that in the comments, uh, of our audience. Me too. I want to know because I'm new to the industry. I just think it's mostly attending events, maybe, um, just spreading the word. They need a good marketing campaign to push the messaging. There's so much opportunity, or maybe it's just meant to be niche. Um, I mean, IT is pretty niche. I don't know the ins and outs of IT. At least I know what it is. Yeah. Like <laughs> the high level. I'd like to think we're bigger than IT. Oh, 100%. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Stefan. I appreciate it. Um, Thanks, I look forward to keeping in touch with you. And maybe in two years, we'll reconnect and see if language ops taken off. And we're, turns out right. we started that trend. So have a great day. Thank you very much. Thanks for giving me the time. Yeah, bye. Thank you for listening to Globally Speaking, an RWS production. You can subscribe to Globally Speaking on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, or Podbean. Check out other episodes on globallyspeakingradio.com, where you can also find transcripts from every show. We'd like to hear your comments, suggestions, and feedback. 
So don't hesitate to reach out to us by contacting us at info at globallyspeakingradio.com. 